are you just done? Are you just done dancing now? We used to dance every time I music was, came on. I was sorry. I was watching someone make a TV into a fish tank. Wow! Can't even give the show your full attention. I am now. There's the the video's over. <sighs> okay then. Well, uh, anyways, hello, welcome to episode sixty nine, Giggity of Frightmares. I'm your host, Austin Proctor. <laughs> Joining me across the table, giving me crazy eyes, is Gabrielle Proctor. Hi. Hello. Hi. I don't know why we chose the topic we did for the 69th episode, but um, we, we did. more thought this would be more, um, you know, some of the uh, topics can be a little, like, strenuous for us, especially if, like, they're going to end up being really um, crap movies or movies that are, are really bizarre. So, like, it's a lot, and we agreed that this would just be more fun after coming back from our vacation. This would be a more low-key topic, but definitely more amusing, and... Um, Clearly, based on the choices we made, a high caliber of films for all of them. That's fair. We are doing uh, children's horror, I guess you could call it. It's yep. all it's all horror movies. Well, two of them are listed as horror movies in their descriptions, and two of them are not. But they're all still spooky movies, so it's family-friendly. This episode's not going to be family-friendly. I can't watch my fucking mouth. Uh, but yes, we're doing four uh, kid ish yeah movies and somehow we all managed to pick claymation stop motion i don't know how that happened i think we had like two and th or th i think we had three out of four we're like fuck it let's just pick a fourth one so now we're doing four claymation movies stop motion whatever you want to call it uh yeah so that's the topic today and these movies were a freaking blast i loved all of them uh and i found an I, I, I one of these is my new favorite it's amazing i'll be watching this all the time now especially because it's on netflix which is tight so, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say, which is rare in, like, the beginning. Is there anything we should talk about? I don't, I don't know. We, no, because we talked about the other movie we saw recently, and we are going to see a new horror movie tonight, but obviously we can't talk about the movie we haven't seen yet. We're excited for it. Well, I mean, we I can say that. what it is. We, we're, freaky. We're going to see Freaky, which is... Uh, if you have not heard about this this one, it is essentially Freaky Friday, but with a serial killer and a high, a high school Like girl. a nerdy teenage girl. Yeah. So it's a body swap movie. It looks like it's going to be pretty cool because the teenage girl is now in Vince Vaughn, who is a serial killer, and now Vince Vaughn is in the... You know, it's just going to be... should be fun. It's made by the same guy who did Happy Death Day. Yep. Um, And right now it's got a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd, so I am pretty hopeful. Yeah, and we're going to go see in Dolby, and it's going to be a good time. Dolby! It's been so long since we've seen the movie in Dolby. I'm super excited. Yeah. Very I remember excited. to bring my glasses with me today. Yeah, don't forget, because you need to be able to actually see things. Yeah. 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 What's up with you? What? You're out of it today. You made me watch a movie this morning. I, I brought you donuts this morning. And that. You Best gave me husband. sugar, and I was cozy under a blanket, and then you gave me... A movie to watch and then i was like oh my god i am so tired now and i'm over here like stretching like blood move through my Jesus. body seriously stop yes i stopped at this new place called donut well new, i don't know if it's, it's new. not new okay it's new to it's, me whatever it's a small it's not as big here in florida as it is in other it's states. called donut king good god those donuts are li like literally fit for a king they're huge 
delicious as always. So check them out. Random plug to Donut King in Winter Park. Check them out. They're, they stay we open. are accepting sponsors at this time. <laughs> we will. I will work for donuts for sure. We can oh definitely work donuts into our repertoire here. <laughs> I got four donuts and they were, it was like four and change. And it was like, like, so I gave the guy five bucks. I was like, key, key. I, was like I figured there would be like two, three bucks a piece. Dunkin' Donuts sounds expensive now. I know, right? So yeah, that was delicious this morning. So we watched a movie this morning and I guess we're going we're gonna to talk about it here in a minute. But uh, yeah, I don't have much up up top um fuck i was gonna say something and then i just van it just vanished it just, well i will say that because all of the movies we are talking about are stop motion what's fun is there are three production companies um for these films so not only are we going to talk about the films but we're going to talk about um the style of stop motion they did because they're all really different from each other which was really cool for us and um of course, there will be some fun facts about yeah, things they did on the film. Um, I think pretty much everything but the first movie we're talking about, I know fun facts about making of the film. All right. Well, we can always go into the trivia. Uh, yeah. Stop motion. I don't know. I've always called it claymation because, I mean, it, it is it is clay. I mean, Sometimes it, it is. Okay. Well, I just, I've always called it claymation, stop motion, whatever. It's insane because, you know, some of these are pretty short. Like, you know, a couple of them are like hour 24, but... One of them is almost like two hours, and you're like, that's got to take so... Because it takes like five years to make these things. So it's fi you figure you, the shorter, the better. Um, but just watching them is so much fun because it's just... It's got to take a lot of time and patience, which I don't have, uh, to make these movies. Because, I mean, what'd you say? They get they get like three seconds of footage a day, usually? Which yeah, is fucking uh, crazy. And... Some and uh, like we said, all these films do a different kind of stop motion, and so she is just licking the underside of my foot aggressively. Right oh, sit down. <laughs> um, Our mascot over there. So, all of them do different styles, but from what I've seen from like reading about the films, is all of them took about five years apiece. Um, so, it is a slow, painstaking process. You see people do stop motion films, like I had a friend and um college who did a stop motion post-it note film where they, they yeah. used the post-it notes to move around and it was really fun but like they're painstaking and the the number of frames you have to get to get those to go it's a lot and yeah. that they are underappreciated i feel like i feel like people don't appreciate the amount of energy that goes into these films well yeah because you know some of my rating that went into these movies was based on the fact that how much fucking talent this takes so I, I pretty I gave I mean all of them except for one I gave them all high marks just because well a they were all great and funny and amazing but you know b they take so much patience to do this and it's like it's really a an art to do this so I really enjoyed watching these because it's just fascinating to see this world come to life and all this this tiny miniature world that's being filmed. And it's funny because, like, sometimes you can tell when they use miniatures and movies and shit like that. But it's it's weird because everything's small, but it doesn't look small. And it's it's cool how they can make it not look like it's, you know, a six-inch or whatever figure on screen. So it's very cool. Really, really like this. It, it You know, and this is going to be a fun episode. So something a little different, you know? Mm -hmm. Something different than the norm. Not straight-up horror movies. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, and it's funny because I looked up one of the production companies. I guess it's not funny. Um, and, uh, and I was wondering how many movies they did. Only did five. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It takes like five years to do these. So that and makes sense. And you've seen four <laughs> of them at this point. Yes, I'm only missing one, which we will, I assume, watch. Because we also watched another stop motion uh, movie earlier this week. 
or yes, um, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, which was fucking amazing. Holy cow! Yeah, not a horror movie, um, but damn, that is a cra- That's one of my favorites. Was that was that Zool? She's howling over there. No, she's sitting right there. Oh, okay. I thought I heard her do something. Uh, yeah. So Kubo was great. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Uh, but yeah, I guess let's just uh, I guess just just dive in unless there's anything you can think of. Not at the moment. Huh. Okay. Well, real quick, uh, I will just go ahead and say that uh, we will be doing a Christmas horror episode coming up, uh, you know, next month. And then uh, this will be our third. Are you good over there? They look like I have a burp. It just won't come out of me. Uh, we will be doing. I'm going to mute your mic so you don't burp right into the fucking thing. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be doing the. Um, oh, my God. Get it out of you. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm so sorry. Oh my god! I didn't expect that to be so loud. I, I unmuted you because I didn't think. Oh my god! I'm a little burpy right oh. now. Jesus, I can't edit that out either. That's in there forever. Oh, okay. Anyways, look. The honest truth is, every time you give me a large Coke, I kind of just sound like a Velociraptor for the rest of the day, or like a pterodactyl. Oh God! Whew, I have to compose myself. I'm gonna be laughing about that all day. Christmas episode. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry. In the coming weeks, because uh, we are getting to the holidays, we will be doing a Christmas horror episode, which is always fun. We won't be doing a Thanksgiving episode this year, only because I have something planned for the because that would have been next week. Because uh, we always record our episodes about six days in advance, so we won't be doing a Thanksgiving one. Uh, I've got something planned for episode seventy with Corey. And then we will be doing our year-end wrap-up, our third year-end wrap-up, which is going to be interesting because I've watched so many, and I don't know how many Corey has watched, and I don't know if you've even watched 10. So this will be interesting. I've, I've watched at least 10. Thank you for the I know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I have no idea. And then we'll be doing uh, uh, our What's to Come in 2021 at the beginning of the year. I don't even know how that's going to go. That'll be interesting. Hopefully the year 2021 will be coming up. So... It's going to be interesting with the year end and the what's coming uh, next year because it's just what's happened this year. So I have no idea even what's coming out next year or if it's going to come out next year. So it'll be good. Good times. But uh, why don't you go ahead uh, and take it away with the first movie we watched? Well, not the first movie we watched, but first movie for review. So the first movie, um, the production company is very well known. Uh, They've made one of the most famous stop-motion animation films. We're not talking about that one. I just want you to know that they did it. <laughs> um, we are talking about one of their lesser-known... Um, I mean, people have known about it, but I think it's one that kind of just faded into the background after a while, um, which is Frankenweenie by Tim Burton. Um, you may have heard of him. He's a small indie director. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it was 2012, and... It was PG, an hour and 27 minutes. It's an animation comedy family film um, and definitely got horror vibes. And uh, it was released October 5th in 2012. Yeah, this is the one that doesn't have the horror in the you know description of... Yeah. yeah. And it's a very simple premise. It's essentially Frankenstein, but with a kid and his dog. And the kid really likes science and unfortunately loses his dog one day um 
when the dog runs out into traffic, as dogs are apparently super want to do. <laughs> and um, hold on. Dude. I'm sorry. Get yourself together. <laughs> and uh, he decides through a lesson from the world's scariest science teacher. That oh, he's horrifying. That he can bring his dog back to life. So when he succeeds, um, he faces backlash from the people of his town. And from his fellow students who are jealous of him and his invention and want to win the science fair that is coming up. Because while he really only did it to get his dog back, they all see it as an opportunity to win the science fair. There's, we, I just realized there's two movies we watched that both have competitions for winning something. And this is one of them. The other one we just watched oh, today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Actually... Three of them have some sort of uh, competition in them. But one of them's more towards the end, not a full underlying thing. Oh. Um, so this film was fun. It, it was very mm -hmm. Tim Burton. It's kind of hard to miss his stuff. Everybody looks like they haven't slept in weeks uh, right? and um, <laughs> looks mildly insane or depressed. What is that? Sorry. I almost dropped my phone and I was like... Eh. I really liked the dog and the boy. I thought their relationship was really sweet. It really wasn't it. And it did something that improved upon the Frankenstein story where he, it wasn't because he was obsessed with creating he, something he shouldn't. It was just a boy whose only friend was his dog. So all he wanted was his dog back and their relationship was really sweet. Um, because, honestly, he seriously just had no friends. And he was like, I don't care about any of you people. I want my dog. And there's another one where doesn't have friends. What is she doing to my poster over there? Oh, she's adjusting oh, okay. so she can lay her head on the edge of the bed oh, while Jesus. laying out of the bed. Yeah, this one and another one we did, you know, or we watched the kid, that main kid has no friends. So I thought that was fun. There's a lot of parallels going on here. I like this. Uh, there's always a lot of themes with kids' movies, you know, feeling isolation. It's, a, it's meant to... Make the kid identify with the lead character. Because every kid has had a sense of, like, I don't feel like I belong at some point or another, even if it was a small moment. I never did. Well, congratulations, <laughs> Captain Popular. Oh, so. no. <laughs> not because I was popular. I just I don't I don't think that thought ever crossed my mind where I didn't belong anywhere. Maybe high school. That's about and it. I did think it was fun that because all of the other kids in the film find out how he's created life, he they decide to do the same thing with their own pets. Um, that was pretty cool, yeah. Except for the one crazy girl whose pet's alive. She just decides to do it with a bat. And Yeah, that was wild. Got a lot of reanimator vibes, pet cemetery vibes, you know, obviously Frankenstein vibes. Heavy Frankenstein vibes, yeah. And I really like that that's how they amped up the film. The kids were like, we're going to try doing this with our stuff. And the one kid who tries to do it with sea monkeys, that killed me because that was such an old school thing. Like we were talking about how we totally missed the boat on sea monkeys because we're too young for that. But I, I have family members who were like, oh, yeah, I remember sea monkeys and I totally had sea monkeys and they're just brine shrimp and they clearly look nothing like the package. And. You know, once all of these kids decide to reanimate things, uh, they don't have the same kind of intentions he did, and it doesn't go well. And I like the underlying message there that even the um, scientist said to uh, Victor, the main the main kid, 
He said, um, well, the first time you did your experiment, um, because he says, oh, I did this experiment. The first time I did it, it, re it went well. And the second time I did it, it didn't go so well. And he's like, well, the first time you did it, did you love what you were doing? And he was like, yes, I did. And he's like, okay. And the second time, he's like, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. So intention really matters when you're trying to create something. And I, I really like that underlying theme there. Yeah. But um, I will say, I think we both agreed that the villains were a little odd in this one um, because they essentially had like a German kid and a Japanese kid who were like kind of antagonists in the film. But that Japanese kid was some sort of horribly racist version oh, of a so Japanese person. Like they had the very, the really aggressive um english accent like what you've never heard the term english no, i mean I, I know what it, yes i've never heard it said like that but yeah I, I know what it is yeah like um usually I, i've seen it more in reference to uh translating something from another language to english and then the translation gets lost there but in this case it was the uh he he couldn't construct sentences it like and you know he had to have grown up in that town but somehow he uh sounded like a stereotype of an asian person and they gave him unlike everybody else in the film the tiniest eyes imaginable and he was wearing a very like school uniform type outfit to a school with no uniform and it was very strange and uh, you even made a comment about the monster that he uh, or the oh, pet that he no, brought to life well even before okay so even before the monster i had a huge problem with this just because like you said everyone kind of looks the same in this movie you know they kind of have all the same dead eyes almost with the bags around them so everyone looks the same and then in comes little asian kid with the like squintiest eyes and his face is completely different than everyone else. And I'm just, I was like, Oh, and then his voice, which I, I will say I am proud that they actually got an Asian person to do this. They didn't, you know, but like how you're, how are you as an Asian person? How are you going to do that? Wouldn't you be like, no, 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 this is kind of wrong. I can understand having, you know, him with an English, with an Asian accent, but it was like, it was almost like making fun of someone like trying to imitate the voice and like, doing it i was like ah, oh, this is it just it just came off incredibly racist to me well and i wouldn't come at the the, the guy who did the voice because no, no, it, no, 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 it's, it's definitely a matter of like hollywood and the roles that they let no, people i, I, of I don't mean to obsessed. i don't mean to come at him like that like i said i'm glad it was done by an asian person but as an asian person i just feel like i don't know it's just weird i just felt like that i don't know it just it, seemed, it just it seemed while all these other characters were essentially they they had Actually, a lot of them didn't have a lot in the way of personality. That's what I'm saying. Um, they were very flat. But he had a very like aggressively I'm Asian personality. Yeah. And you're like that just seems really jarring compared to everybody. Well, that's else. what I'm saying. I just I feel like him as an Asian person. I feel like he would almost be kind of like should we should we go that far with it? Like I don't, you know, people don't. I don't. I don't know. It just it was very off putting to me, and that kind of ruined the movie because not ruined it, but it made me rate it less because later in the film. He, uh, I think it was a turtle at first that he had. Yeah, his pet turtle. Yeah, Shelly. but then, but then he, the turtle fucking grows up to be like fucking Gamera from the, you know, like the Godzilla universe. And I was like, that's so racist. He's the, <laughs> you have the Asian kid essentially conjuring like a Godzilla thing. Yikes. 
that is so fucking racist to me. I don't know, to me at least. It's no, like, and I totally man, that's get upsetting. that. Because of all the other creatures, the other creatures were just slightly larger <laughs> yeah. versions of what they were, and it's that like, thing was bigger fuck? than a house. So it's like, yeah. so of course his has to be Godzilla-sized for yeah. some reason. And, and, like, and again, it, there, is a, there is a monster in the Godzilla universe called Gamera, and he's a giant, he's a giant turtle. Yeah, and it's I get like, it, God. it was probably meant to just be a joke on that, but yeah, it was but... just like, it was kind of heavy handed. Yeah, it just came off super right, his whole thing, and just, I'm not okay with that. And which is sad because while there were themes, th- of all the movies we watched, this is the one I liked the least. And I told you that before we even had even watched these, I had seen all but this one previously, and I hadn't, I'd only seen. Two of them once. Um, one of them I had seen many times, and this was the only one I had never seen. And when you were like, I don't know which one, I, um, you were you were like, I thought that I would like this other movie the least of all of oh, these. Yeah. And I told you, I said, I'm pretty sure we're going to like Frank and Weenie least. Yeah. And, I don't, well, I mean, it, it still had a 3.2, so I, I was hopeful that it would get better, but it kind of played this weird pacing game of being really slow and then amping up and then really slow and then amping back up. And I just, the pacing was just fucking terrible. Yeah, and I feel like they couldn't commit to a really full plot line because, like I said, a lot of the characters lacked a lot in the way of personality. Oh, yeah. And it was really, if they had focused more on Victor and his dog, I I would have been way more... What was the damn dog's name? What? Oh, Sparky. Sparky. Sparky, yeah. Um. Victor and Sparky, I really liked their relationship. And if they had also played up more on that whole idea of you have to love what you're doing if you want it to turn out right, like you, you really have to be committed to what you're doing. You can't just be half in it. Like yeah. Those would have been really good themes to explore. But then it kind of turned into this wacky thing at the end, which it was fun to watch, but um, it just it was that like the last 20 minutes of the film. Like, oh, OK, here's the plot. We found it. Because the rest of it kind of just dragged through the middle. And it was weird because Tim Burton, while he has a very specific style, definitely his characters tend to have a lot more personality or um, there seems to be more personalities available. And a lot of them just kind of seemed bored that they were there. Yeah, like especially uh, was Victor Frankenstein played by Charlie Tahan, Tahan. He was so boring to listen to, just so flat and talking and very quiet. And he only raised his voice a few times in the movie. So a lot of them were just very dull. And I mean, maybe that's what he was kind of going for. Because uh, this one was also done in black and white, you know, to kind of give homage to the classic monster movies being in black and white. And there's a lot of beats that you picked up from, you know, even like, you know, like calling it New Holland, because that's how they figured out a way to work a windmill into the movie. Because whatever, uh, but that was cool at the end with with the windmill. Because again, that's like a direct you know thing to Frankenstein. But yeah, everyone was just seemed kind of bored, and, and that's which is crazy because the cast is amazing. You've got Catherine O'Hara, she plays Mrs. Frankenstein, and a couple other people. You got Martin Short who plays Mr. Frankenstein, and a couple other people. Uh, Martin Landau who plays Mr. Rizurkruzkirska, the, the really science teacher, really creepy science teacher. Winona Ryder. Uh, Tom Kenny, who was SpongeBob. I mean, the fucking voice cast is incredible, and it just kind of seemed like they were bored. Or again, maybe that's what Burton was going for. I, I don't know, but this one didn't fully work for me, uh, especially because how the dog died. Because 
you know, his dad, Victor's dad was like, well, you want to do science and I want you to play baseball. So we got to, you know, compromise, meet in the middle. So he goes to play baseball and he hits the ball and then Frank and we, or Frank, Jesus, Sparky goes to chase the ball, gets hit by the car. So it's just, I was like, I don't like that. You made him go to sports, killed his dog. Sick bastard. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, just, just didn't work for me as a movie. But the really cool parts, like when they did the whole re- uh, reanimating the dog and stuff like that, was super cool. It was very thematic and the music was great because I think Danny Elfman did the music for this, yes, right? Yeah. Did. So, of course, you know, the score was amazing. But yeah, again, it kept playing the line of boring to not boring to Jesus. That, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Good grief. Welcome to the Burp podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, do I need to mute you again, lady? Um, where's my notes? Where's my notes? I had something I want to say. Go ahead if you have something to say. Oh, I was going to say for me, it was a little jarring to have Winona Ryder voice a kid because oh, yeah, um, she's in her 40s and it just sounds like Winona Ryder um, doing a high-pitched voice. And I love Winona Ryder. I really do. I think she's a fantastic actress and pretty much love everything she's done. But that was really disconcerting. So shut up. I didn't think that was a real word. I thought disconcerting was a word, not disconcerting. And that actually wasn't me poking fun at you. That oh, was just the word I chose. You said disconcerting and then looked at me. And I, and I uh, like, what is that? A j- like a jab at me because I got those words mixed up. I guess I've been saying that word wrong for a while or I don't know. I Sometimes I say words and I it comes out and I realize that I don't know if that's the right thing to say at that time. So hey. it happens all the time. I know you can be overwhelmed, and I know you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? Okay, Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> that sounds like something he would say. No, that's from 10 Things I Hate About oh. You. Oh, uh, you said you didn't have any trivia on this? Nope. Well, apparently, this was the first Tim Burton movie to not be a musical, but that doesn't make sense because Batman was not a fucking musical. So, Oh, first animated Tim Burton film. I was going to say, that Sorry. says animated. Sorry. Okay. That was very, yeah, that didn't even make sense. Uh, the Pet Cemetery features the grave of Zero from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And yes, the turtle Shelley is an obvious uh, you know, reference to Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, which was Toshiaki's pet. Which, by the way, wow. Could you get more of an Asian name? Everyone has like, you know, Victor, there's even a Van Helsing. He's Hel- Japanese. He's going to have a Japanese name. Listen, I've met Japanese people named Frank, probably. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Again, that whole, I'm sorry, that whole Asian thing just bothered me. It just seems so, so over the top. Uh, let's see here. This is Tim Burton's first film since Big Fish to not feature Johnny Depp. His first since Sleepy Hollow to not feature Helena Bonham Carter. And his first since Mars Attack to feature neither of them. <laughs> I'm just jiggling the whole table. I'm sorry. <clears throat> uh, anything you see that sounds cool? No. Oh, I did like the uh, subtle Bride of the Frank Bride of Frankenstein reference when uh, Sparky comes back from the dead and goes over to his little girlfriend dog next door, and uh, they meet noses, and it kind of zaps her, and then she gets the white stripes in her hair because uh, she's a poodle, so they just throw some white stripes and make her hair all Bride of Frankensteiny. It was pretty cool. I liked that. I, I will say, if you did not know, this was also based off a short film that Tim Burton made, um, which has uh, Shelley Duvall in Shelley it. Shelley Duvall, yeah. Which is these are both both of those are on uh, Disney Plus. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. This was this is streaming uh, for free on Disney. So, um, we got lucky. We only had to rent one movie this time, and it was worth the fucking rent. Mm-hmm. 
<sighs> There's too much. There's too much. Yep, based off. Yep, 1984. Blah blah blah. Um, I'm just gonna go with yeah the first. <clears throat> so what other? How many other animated films has he done? I know Corpse Bride is one. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's it. He did it. Oh, so oh, okay. So he's only done three. Okay, got it. So got it. Yes, this was the only one that did not have a lot of singing in it, and not Helena Bottom Carter, which is probably why it was so weird. That's a shame. Uh, all right. Anyways, I gave this a three out of five on Letterboxd because it was a good movie. Uh, had it not had all the weird uh, Asian craziness in it, probably would have given it a bit more. But also the like I said, the pacing was off. So I f- still want because I still enjoyed it to an extent. So three good movie. Uh, I definitely watch it. You know, check it out because it might be it might be your thing. Or you might, you know, you might like it more than me because again, I, I, I liked it, but definitely my least favorite out of the four. I think it appeals more to people who are just huge Tim Burton fans. Uh, yeah. Like, well, I like Tim Burton movies. I'm not a diehard Tim Burton fan. Like, I yeah. don't need to decorate my house in Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. Yeah, I love, I love, you see, and I've watched it one time, but that one one time, and I just can't, I don't want to try and get into it because the people that are into it are just so much more into it than, it's like me in the office, you know, a lot of people are just not into it that much, so I try not to bring it up, but I, I don't know, some people are just insane about that movie, and I, I don't I don't know. That was the thing I was talking to you about, uh, actually, last night, where it's like, or I think it was the night before last, where sometimes if some, if you're around people, and you're kind of into something, and they're really into something you don't want to show your interest in that yeah, thing because saying. it feels like the first thing they're going to do is grill you on your interest and if you don't hold up you feel guilty for not being as interested as they do same and you're thing. like i don't want to do this it's the same thing with people who just love disney and adore disney and i i've gone you know i've been there my entire life my mom's worked there but i'm not into it like the crazy people are like some people are just like disney and i'm like yeah it's cool it's great but like uh i admire the dedication but yeah. i don't have the energy <laughs> i don't have the energy uh so yeah again what would you uh did you rate this one what would you no i'd agree with that three three okay uh it's got a 3.2 out of five i believe yes oh 3.3 out of five on letterboxd and a 6.9 out of 10 on imdb would that be the lowest rated of all the ones we did oh yeah this okay. is the low they only go up from here <laughs> seriously so and that one was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, which I could see just because of again, claim stop motion takes a lot of time. Really good, you know, good score, fun to watch, black and white. I do, you know, I can understand why it was nominated, but yeah, definitely out of the four, least favorite. Hold on, I got this pulled up. Still, what year is this? Two thousand two or two thousand twelve? Jesus, phone move. Two yeah, so this was eight years ago, and actually, we have another movie from the same year, <clears throat> but that'll be reviewed last. So this one and one of the other movies that we're going to um, go through that was nominated for 2012, they both lost out to Brave. Um, they were also Boo. in with The Pirates, which is the same people who do the Wallace and Gromit films, and Wreck-It Ralph. That's the thing. You know what? I know um, Brave was not one of Pixar's stronger films. I mean, it was. I still really like that movie a lot, and I like the whole bond between mother and daughter and all that. But you are going to be hard pressed to beat out anything that is Pixar. That isn't a sequel. Unless of course it's toy story. Then again, you're hard pressed to beat it out. Cause it's not like yeah. cars movies are coming back <clears throat> round, but <laughs> they um, did three of those. They're fucking done. You'd be hard pressed to beat out any Pixar film. No, there's I know, there's but... definitely like a legacy thing there. This one I can understand losing to Brave, but the other one I don't understand because that one, that's one of, honestly, that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. 
and that is a statement I don't say a lot because I've not. I've only rated movies. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but yeah, that one was amazing. Like Brave is good. I think it's a good movie. But compared to the other one, hell no. That should have definitely won, especially since it was stop motion and it took five years to make. Yep. So, anywho, uh, yes. So Frank and Weenie was on Disney. So you can check that out if you got Disney Plus. Let's move on to the next one here, which is the one we watched today, and that is Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit from 2005, rated G. Hour and 25 minutes, animation, adventure, comedy. Okay, this one definitely said horror in it. I know it did. Oh, my God. I'm muting you. Get your shit together. Oh, my God. Anywho, uh, yeah, Wallace and Gromit. Uh, I watched these movies as a kid. Well, not movies, sorry. The the four shorts as a kid. Uh, wrong day or wrong trousers, big day out or whatever. Love those shorts. So this Wallace and Gromit has always kind of been like close to my heart because I watched them. All the time as a kid. And uh, I wasn't sure if I'd actually seen this, but I'm pretty sure I did because, I mean, it came out in 2005. I was only 15 at that time, so I would have had to seen this in theaters with my parents. It's just been so long since I've watched it. Uh, but nonetheless, this is a, this is a great movie. Uh, let me get my plot up here. It's a fairly simple plot. It's fairly simple, but also there's, uh, there's some twists and turns, which is uh, really fun to watch. Where the fuck? Wallace and Gromit. Okay, so... If you've seen Wallace and Gromit, you know their wonderful inventions that they have and all the gadgets and stuff like that. It's super awesome. So in this movie, it opens up with them, and uh, they get a call on their, like a, what is it, like a little gnome that has laser eyes that catches something going through the garden, and then it alerts them, so they wake up. And I was thinking, oh, okay, it's you know probably something in their yard. But no, they actually run a business called Anti-Pesto, LOL, that's hilarious. Uh, and their business is keeping rabbits out of people's vegetables because there's a vegetable competition they have every year. So, you know, they're, they're hired to get the pests out, whatever. But uh, they don't, you know, they take them and then they also bring them home to their house and they feed them and they love them and care for them. So that's pretty fun. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Holy crap. What? I'm oh, I thought you put your, I thought you, I thought you put your finger up. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, that's how it starts out. They get a call, they go get the rabbit, they come back home and then we see the, you know, we see Gromit feeding all the rabbits and, uh, Wallace gets up in his, his, uh, traditional fashion, which is pressing the button to get breakfast, but then he gets stuck, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, so he's getting fat because of all of his cheese that he eats, which same bro. Felt I, that, yeah. yeah, I felt that, um, so he is, uh, you know, Gromit's trying to get him on this whole health kick to get him not so fat and, uh. Wallace is like, you know what? Why don't I use the, what was it? The mind manipulation omatic to get my mind off of cheese. Uh, that didn't work. <laughs> Basically, it, it looks it, like a glass light bulb helmet. Yeah. And uh, after that, they get a call from uh, this person named Lady Tor- uh, Torrington? Toddington. Toddington. Because a toddy is a yeah, desirable woman. And she's got a huge rabbit pl- problem that uh, Wallace and Gromit go clean up in an epic fashion with their rabbit vacuum suck thing. It was hilarious. And uh, he gets the idea after they do that. He's like, wait, okay, because they're getting full up on. They've got a lot of rabbits downstairs in the basement. So he's like, why don't we use this, the mind mega manipulation matic thing on the rabbits to get them to not eat all the veg, as they call it, which all the vegetables in the garden. So he tries it. And of course, chaos ensues. And one of the rabbits pops out and gets stuck in the thing on top of his head. So while Gromit has to break it with uh, like a shovel or something and it pops out, everything seems to be fine. Even though the rabbit is completely traumatized 
and he gets kind of tweaky. So everything seems to be fine because he rejects the carrot, and you find out later why he did. I'm not going to ruin that because there's a couple twists. So everything seems to be fine until later that night. Oh, God. Fucking my notes. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... He, uh, the rabbit, which is named Hutch, I believe, yes. breaks out of his cage during the night, um, during the full moon, and wreaks havoc on the town. And he's not like a little rabbit anymore. He is what they have named the were-rabbit. Uh, everyone is mad at Wallace and Gromit as well because, you know, they paid good money to have their crops protected. And they all got fucking eaten in the middle of the night by this giant uh, giant monster. So he's like, okay, well, why don't we trap it? And then everybody in the church is like, yeah, we'll trap it because you have the... Uh, the villain, I guess you could say, who is uh, Peter. No, sorry. Victor. Victor Quartermain. And that's uh, voiced by Ralph Fiennes. If you don't know the name, he was Lord Voldemort. And. Uh, Fiennes. Fiennes, Fiennes, whatever. And um, Harry Potter. And uh, also Helena Bonham Carter, which is funny that she wasn't in Tim Burton's movie, but she was in this one. She's also in this, and she plays Lady, Lady Toddington. Uh, so Victor wants to shoot the were-rabbit, but Wallace says, no, no, we'll trap it, it's fine. So, later on that night, uh, we find out that Wallace and Gromit have figured out that the moon and the lunar panels in the basement are what's making Hutch transform into the were-rabbit. So they put him into a steel-reinforced cage and tell Lady Toddington that they've caught the beast and all seems to be normal. But it is in fact not, because, and I'm not going to say it, but you find out some crazy shit about the were-rabbit, and... It's honestly, I had, I did not see that coming, even though I know I've seen this movie. It's, it's been too long. I must've forgotten the twist. I didn't even know there was a twist until I saw it. And I was like, damn, that was pretty good. So it's a pretty cool twist. And I uh, can't really talk about too much else after that because, you know, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big twist to me. Uh, so I don't want to ruin that because if you haven't seen it, it's awesome. And it makes the movie even better. But you know, the rest of the movie is still trying to get at the were rabbit. Um, and I'm going to leave it there for the description just because, like I said, don't want to ruin anything. Um, we do get to see a pretty awesome transformation. Like, uh, you know, step aside, American Werewolf in London. Uh, this is pretty good. I'm just kidding. It's good, but it's obviously not as good as that. Uh, but it was really fun to watch a werewolf transformation or were, sorry, were rabbit transformation. Uh, that was pretty awesome, especially because it just looked, it looked so clean. You know what I mean? For being claymation, it looked really good. Yeah, I think there was really just like one part towards the um, end of the climax of the film where we started noticing like uh, fingerprints. Oh, no, I noticed them the entire time. Oh, I totally didn't. I just uh, I just pointed that one out. But yeah, uh, that's and that's one of that's only that's I know it's silly, but it is kind of one of my issues because I didn't notice fingerprints in any of the other movies except for this one. And I get it. They're actually, you know, they're actually using what you say it was called? It's called plasticine. Whatever, Clay. Um so they I, used 2.8 tons of plasticine in 42 colors and had 1,000 baby wipes per week used to wipe the uh, fingerprints off the finger, or off the uh, figures. So, I mean, they tried. No, no, yeah. It's not like you can see it. It's really only around the mouth when they're, you know, the, when the lips are moving like that, you can see fingerprints on the sides. And, I mean, you know, you, it's not going to be freaking perfect. So I understand. But that kind of was one of my issues just because – you don't see it in any of the other ones, or at least, at least I didn't. Okay, so the difference with the way they make this one, I'm not exactly sure on Tim Burton's, but the difference between this one and what they do with the other films we're going to talk about is they have, like, hundreds. I think one of the characters had, like, thousands of different faces. 
So whereas these ones get physically posed, they have a bunch of different facial uh, expressions, like a bunch for the other characters. So of course you're not going to see fingerprints because the way the way they've created them is not the same material. So it wouldn't show up fingerprint prints. You would see so much. um, Like we were talking with Tim Burton. One of the animals has a lot of fur on it, but you could notice the fur moving around with how, when the character adjusts the fur moves around, because obviously they have to touch the character somewhere to move it. And that was the largest portion. So, in this case, yeah, you would because of the material they used and how they bend those faces around. Now, they obviously have different faces to use. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They said, I think the uh, characters went through, like, a new set of eyes every 10 days or something like Jesus. that. Jesus. What, in Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, let me find that trivia while you're talking. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, really, that's my only problem. And uh, there was a, a problem I had towards the end, but again, I can't r- ruin it. Uh, so there's just little mi- minor problems I had with the movie, uh, just from like, you know, just from like a, a, a critic's eye, I guess you could say. Um, but other than that, it was absolutely hysterical. I think I laughed during this one more than any of the movies we watched. It was so funny. I love British humor. It's very witty. It's very clever. And uh, yeah, again, it just it just makes me laugh so freaking hard. You find it? Um, I didn't find that one, but for point of reference, each character needed several versions to cover a range of um, emotions and poses. There were forty three versions of Gromit, thirty five of Wallace, sixteen of Victor Quartermain, and fifteen of Lady Toddington, as well as twenty different shaped mouths. A single line of dialogue of only a few words could take a whole day to animate. Yeah, which is crazy. That's dedication. There's some scenes in this, like when uh, when Gromit hits the mind manipulator off of Wallace. That was a sweet scene. And then there's a slow-mo scene with a bullet that looked amazing. It's There's some stuff in this. And then, you know, you have all the gadgets, too, which are so cool and so just kind of wacky and whimsical. And it's just a really fun movie. Like I said, if you've seen any of the other um, movies that, well, you know, I think there's... I don't know if there's any other Wallace and Gromit movies. I know they have... Uh, the... This is the fin- uh, feature-length film. Okay, so yeah, I know they have like four shorts and stuff like that, which are super fun. So if you've seen those and you haven't seen this, you got to watch this. I had to rent it. It was like four bucks on Amazon Prime, but it was well worth it. It was just freaking hysterical. Such a good time. Oh, and then my other... My, my only small issue is that everyone kind of looked the same. You know what I mean? Everyone kind of had the, the crazy beady eyes and the same shaped head, except for the police officer, which was funny. He had a head shaped like a, I don't know, like a pencil. He took off his, his cop oh, hat. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. The cop hat, which is like tall, and it just his head was the same shape as the hat. That was freaking hysterical. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any other famous people that I know besides, I mean, Peter Salas, who does Wallet, Wallet, <laughs> Wallace. Peter Fines did Victor, Helena Bonham Carter again did Toddington. I Peter K sounds familiar. Uh, no, okay, never mind. So those are the only three actors that actors. And I knew the vicar, um, vicar, a reverend. Sorry, uh, Nicholas Smith because he was in the show. Are you being served? Have you? Ah. Ever, are you being served? I don't it's know. It's a uh, '70s co- British comedy show. My grandparents used to love to watch, and it ah. is hysterical. I did like the fact that uh, the Reverend, at one point when um, it was uh, Victor goes in to talk to him about the were-rabbit, and he pulls out a monster book that just so conveniently has the were-rabbit in it, and I looked at you and said, okay, didn't 
Wallace kind of create this monster like on his own with the rabbit. So why yeah, that would that funny. be in a Okay, whatever. I just thought it was silly. And uh, the only way to kill the were-rabbit, which I thought was hysterical, not a silver bullet, a 24-carat gold bullet. And I, I I, was deceased at that point. Like, wow. And even Victor looked at the Reverend just, really? Really? Apparently, originally, the joke was going to be a silver bullet because of werewolves, but yeah. then they went 24-carat gold because they thought that was way funny. Well, yeah, rabbits, carrots. It's, and, it's um, fucking hilarious. So, you know, it's interesting. They have a, uh, so for the were-rabbit, unlike all the other characters, that one had some armature um, inside of it to make it less obvious, like to see the telltale signs of someone's fingers where they had touched the oh, yeah. uh, were-rabbit. So that was the only one that was built differently. And this film had 30 miniature sets. Remember how many sets I told you were on the next movie we talked about? This one had 30. Wow. That one had 130. Yikes. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, you saw it. it. It Like, the next film we're talking about had so many sets. Like, yeah, so many different rooms yeah, and sets so and So much. Good God. That's why it takes five years to make. You have to make everything from scratch. And then you have to, you know, put sets together. Good God. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this one was a laugh riot. I loved this one. I gave it a four out of five. Only because of my, you know, the, the small issues I had. There's a few issues I had, so definitely not perfect, but still a fun time. Four stars for me. It has a, I think this is the highest rated. No, no, no. Sorry. Second highest rated one on Letterboxd because it is at a 3.6 on Letterboxd and it has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So, yes. What, did, what would you have given this? I would agree with four. A four, okay. Um, I found the trivia, by the way, 40 years later. On average, each character got a new pair of eyes every two months. Oh, two months, And okay. this one had the distinguished honor of being, while every film we were talking about was nominated for an Oscar, this is the first and only stop-motion animation film to win an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Oh, it did? Yes. Oh, um, nice. It <clears throat> beat out Howl's Moving Castle oh, and Corpse wow. Bride. Um which was done by the other production company we'll be talking With, about. Well, didn't Corpse Bride do... Uh, t- uh, it was Tim Frank, Burton. Frank and, and Weenie? Uh, yeah, he did Frank and Weenie, but he, it was Tim Burton working. So, total of three production companies we're talking about today. Um, the other two, outside of this film, worked on one of the films that uh, this film beat out. Ah. Yeah, what's funny, because in 2005, there were only three films nominated for Best Animated Feature... Um, and yeah, this is the only stop motion to win out. So, and, but honestly though, the odds of one not winning that year were really. That's true. Low considering Hell's Moving Castle was the only one. So that is really good for me. Yeah. So definitely recommend this one for sure. It's always got a special place in my heart and I def and Amazon actually has the four shorts you know, on Prime, so you can watch those. I did, like I said, I did have to rent this, but you can go watch the shorts, which I def we definitely will at some point, um, and watch those. So yeah, Wallace and Gromit, Curse the Were Rabbit, good time. Um, wait, did you have any other any other trivia for this? No, yes. No, I pretty much threw it all in there while we were talking. You did? Yeah. Holy shit! Budget was thirty million, and it grossed worldwide a hundred and ninety-four million. Good God. Yeah. Wow. That's a good fucking profit right there. You know, there. I think it's also important to say, um, did we also talk about Chicken Run for a half second there? No, I don't think so. 
they made Chicken Run. Do you want to tell them what's happening? Chicken Run 2! What, what? Apparently in 2021, we are getting a Chicken Run 2. 2021's already looking brighter. Yeah, I'm excited for that because Chicken Run was freaking hilarious. They did replace the voice actor for uh, Rocket, though. I did see that. Apparently, you know, nobody wants to work with Mel Gibson. Can't imagine why. Uh, Yeah, so uh, I was like, oh, they replaced him. Wacky. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this one was funny because you read this to me earlier. Oh, this was, wow, this was the last DreamWorks animation film to be released on VHS. And then the Um, future happened. (laughs) <laughs> Gromit rolls his eyes in the movie 13 times, usually because of Wallace, because he's a dum-dum, even though he is kind of smart at the same time. It's weird. He's like a mad scientist who's also just kind of mad. Uh, he's crazy, but, you know, Gromit. Like, you know, I think I said while we were watching a movie, um, I don't think Wallace properly appreciates that he is, in fact, alive because of Gromit. <laughs> and he's always like, you're a bad dog. Like, bitch, you almost died. Cheese, Gromit, we forgot the cheese. Yeah, good times. Good times. All right, let's get on. Definitely check that one out. Yeah, definitely check that one out. That one was freaking wild. And uh, yeah, so let's move on to the third one. We're blowing through these things. Let's do this. Um, I'm excited to talk about this one. Go for it, Um, because don't get all the hype. It is a book based on an, or it is a movie based on a Neil Gaiman (laughs) book. Sorry. Um, it is also the namesake of my goddaughter, Cora. Um, no, that's serious. That's that's true. I, I know, but that's not the name of the movie. Yes, because you read the first four words, you'll you'll get her name. What's the name of the movie? Let me get to it. Oh my god, you're so mean. Yeah, because you're being rude. Okay, so the movie is Coraline, and if you're our age, then you're very familiar with this film. Um, came out in two thousand nine. PG, an hour and 40 minutes. It's an animation drama family film, and it came out February 6, 2009. And it's a very strange film. This was the first film of Leica Studios that they did not work with uh, Tim Burton on, because they also did Corpse Bride with Tim Burton, but I can't remember which one came first. They might have worked on that with him and then done their own thing. Uh, The premise is an 11-year-old girl moves to this, I guess you'd call it kind of like a duplex, but it's split into three sections. The upper levels, the middle of the home, it's this huge, it's called the Pink Manor, and then the attic space, and she moves into the middle section of the home with her parents who are plant writers who hate the dirt. Wait, I thought their neighbors had the weird house. What? The neighbors had the split house. They didn't think she was in the split house. She's living in it. They like they they live in the middle section of the house, the first and second floor. The the um, Babinski lives in the attic, and then the old ladies live in the basement. Were you watching the film because they really address that a lot? I thought that was a di- I, okay. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know. So they all live in this house together, and she's very unhappy. It's gray. It's raining. She has no friends, and. <laughs> So she meets the grandson of the owner of the home, whose name is YB for Y born. Um, So dumb. Such a rude little name. I know. Yeah. uh, 
she meets him and one day he uh they don't get along immediately and he gifts her this doll that happens to look exactly like her and she thinks it's very bizarre he says he found it in his grandmother's stuff and while she's exploring the house because her parents will a pink palace that's what well, it was and the, also i didn't sorry I apartments didn't, yeah, yeah apartments okay yeah were you looking for pictures to see the layout of the house? Yeah, because I, I didn't know it was all the same. I thought I thought the crazy guy up top and the witches lived in a house separate from them. And then I thought, I, I just guess I must have missed it. I don't know. Fucking sorry. So, yeah. Not perfect. So, she finds the doll and her parents won't let her go outside on a rainy day. So, she starts exploring the um, house and she's bored. And she finds this small door that she convinces her mother to find the key to unlock. And when they open it, it's bricked off. There's there's nothing there. Well, she goes to bed that night, wakes up, sees a, a small mouse, and follows it into a tunnel that has magically appeared behind the door where she finds her other mother, who looks exactly like her mother, except unlike her parents, who have been shown to be very uninterested and easily agitated because they're working on this catalog and moving. This mother is very warm and friendly and has fresh cooked food and everything is warm and bright in the home. And the only real noticeable difference is that the other mother seems to have buttons for eyes and you chewing candy. No, it's a Tums. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, so the other mother is very gracious to her, feeds her, uh, has, has her meet her other father who instead of, you know, hunching over a computer all day is composing songs about her and everything looks amazing. And then she goes to bed that night in the other they call it the, like in this world, I'm your mother. And she's like, you're not my real mother. And she's like, no, I'm your other mother. And here, this is all the nice stuff. And then she wakes up the next day in her crappy unpacked room. That's not near as magical as the room she was in. So she starts telling her parents about it, who take it mildly personally that she seems to like these, um, fake parents. She, the they think she, parents. Yes. So much more than her. Um, so she keeps going back and, she gets to meet the crazy neighbors that we've already met and the upstairs neighbor was it Mr. uh Mr. Bobinski Oh yes Mr. Sergey Sergey Alexander Bobinski Yes who in our world we see as a oddly shaped man who is constantly working out on the roof <laughs> and keeps talking about his mice and um, his mice keep giving him messages for Coraline, which is not weird at all. <laughs> and his um, his mice circus that he will one day have um, ready to show. Mice circus, amazing. Right? Uh, when he talks about that, he's like, oh, this guy's crazy. He's obsessed with eating beets. Well, <laughs> then she gets to meet him in the other world. She gets to eat other Bobinski. And other Bobinski has a magical circus show and cotton candy cannons and it's amazing. And every night she goes back, she sees something new and wonderful in this world. And when she goes home, 
Her mom is getting her boring school uniforms and won't even let her have fun gloves to wear with her coat. And she just doesn't like it there. And and then the other mother one night offers her the chance to stay. And she says, you can absolutely stay with us. We just need one thing from you. And she requests that Coraline also sew buttons into her eyes like everybody else. And then she can stay forever. Well, Coraline immediately takes this as something is amiss. And red flag, red flag. And you can tell something is amiss because the father, the other father immediately says, yeah, it barely hurts. And then the other mother um, pulls his ear like, hey, shut up, man. And it's already disturbing because her friend YB in the other world is always very chatty and never shuts up. But in this world, the other mother says, I thought you'd like him more if he talked less. So I fixed him like, wow, what does that mean? (laughs) You have been corrected. So Coraline... Nothing, really? Yes, I got you. Uh, Coraline makes a quick escape that night with the help of YB to get back to her home. Well, actually, she gets trapped in a... Sorry, I, I mixed that up half a second there. When Coraline refuses and gets really rude with her other mother, she gets pushed into a mirror where she is trapped with ghost children who have buttons in their eyes, and she learns that the doll that she had been gifted was a way for the other mother to see into their world and to see what things upset or, like, how terrible the girl's life was and find ways to make everything more magical. And they're like, she brings you in with gifts and games and makes everything fun and warm, Um, and then she gets you to sew buttons into your eyes, and then she eats you. And, um, yikes. So they say they can't leave the world because they can't find their eyes anymore. And terrifying. Yeah. And then YB helps her escape out of the mirror and get back into her world at the last second. But then when she gets home, she realizes her parents aren't anywhere to be found. And she asks Mr. Bobinski and she asks the batty downstairs neighbors, these old ladies who, um, Give her hundred year old uh, saltwater taffy and have a, oh, a yeah. bunch of dogs that they have their old their previous dogs stuffed and dressed oh, like God, angels on the wall. Like, and you're like, there's like fifty of them on the wall, just like oh God. Yeah, and I like that they're uh, sewing another costume onto one of their living dogs, and she's like, I thought you only put those on dead dogs, and they're like, he's not feeling well. <laughs> oh God. Oh God, that's so sad. Poor little puppy. Yeah, and then in the other world, she sees them as really crazy performers who are very much into getting the stage, uh, like the spotlight, so they compete with each other. And so she goes to talk to them about it, and she's like, I don't know where my parents are. And one of the ladies is like, Well, there goes our ride to the show. And her sister's like, Not now. (laughs) So they make her with 100 year old uh, saltwater taffy a. It, it looks kind of like a jade ring, almost it's a triangle with a hole in the middle, but it, it's basically an eye to uh, see things. And they say it can help you find lost things. So she goes to bed sad and she realizes she has to go back and fight for or find her parents because um, while she's dreaming, she realizes her uh, she figures out her parents are trapped somewhere. And she has to figure out because um, when she goes and checks under the bed of her parents' 
bedroom, she finds a doll with their faces on it and realizes bum, the bum, bum. the other mother has got them and she has to go save them. So when she goes back, the other mother, who has turned into more like a scary pointy spider at this point because she's become angry and the magic... Um, is becoming more disjointed because she's had to create this whole world to lure Coraline in is wearing off because Coraline hasn't immediately agreed to anything. That's fair. Um, the other mother agrees to play a game with Coraline. If Coraline can find the eyes of the ghost children and figure out where the other mother has stashed her parents, she can leave. But if she can't find them within, I think it's an hour, you can... They use the moon and a button slowly dragging over the moon as a means of keeping the time there. The best timer ever. Right. Uh, <laughs> if she can't find them, she agrees to sew buttons into her eyes. So from there, she starts using the little tool to locate the eyes and the other mother's the neighbors and the father. The other mother has made it so they have to help stop Coraline from getting a hold of these eyes. And I don't want to give away the whole ending because it's really fun and really cool. But it's definitely a Neil Gaiman thing. The this movie is wild and confusing. Yeah, I uh oh, good. No, uh you're fine. Uh, it was, it's like I, I told you while we were watching this. I'm like, yeah, this is the same guy who did American Gods and stardust no i told you that no you no you said american yeah, gods I you said, said he did stardust and i was like and fucking american gods hello one of the greatest books ever very confusing um but i i really like this movie i know it's not as the story isn't as grand as some of the other ones um and this one's a little more confusing mostly because neil gaiman wrote it and you know he wacky like that but yeah the the story's really interesting and it really puts it into perspective for her that, you know, while her parents are kind of crappy to her, they it's clearly because of their stress and you're only seeing it from the child's perspective where, oh, they're just ignoring me and oh, they're just annoyed by my presence. And it is really fun that the, the entire, like all the characters' personalities are really out of the, her 11-year-old perspective. Yeah, I uh, okay. So this definitely was not my favorite, but not my least favorite, obviously, because Frank and Weenie was. I don't know for some reason I just wasn't completely gripped by the story. It was gorgeous to watch for sure. I just I don't know what it was. I just wasn't. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of a stickler for things like okay, so there's a portal in there, but why is that there? Like, what's how did that come to be? I don't. It's like some things I don't mind not having an explanation for, but I feel like that begged some kind of like, you know, question like, why is that there? Was it like magic? What is it? You know, why is that thing exist? And that's just kind of drove me mad throughout the entire film because I had no idea why it existed. And I like that they addressed it to some degree where she finds out that one of the ghost children, she describes what the girls or what the ghost children look like. And YB says that, um, one of them sounded familiar and he finds a picture of his grandmother with the sister that went missing. And they're like, Oh, one of the ghost children is one of the, um, or is the landlord's sister mm. that went missing when she was a little girl. Hmm. So like they, they address that 
based on the way the kids look and based on what's going on, like this has been going on for many years. And he, the uh, YB even mentions at the beginning of the film, he says, wow, I'm even surprised that my grandmother let you uh, move in there. She never lets anybody with kids move in. Well, yeah, that's, and that's, that's, and that's what drove me even more mad is the fact that this has been going on for so long. And I don't know, I guess it's just like the language in the wardrobe. I don't know. You just fucking end up in a magical place, I guess, whatever. I, I don't know. It's just some things like that just kind of irritate me because I just feel like it, 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 there's something I need to know about why that exists. But nonetheless, was a, it was a great movie. Like I said, it's very kind of very visually, like very aesthetically pleasing, especially when she was crawling through the uh, door in that tunnel. It was like all filled with light and it was magical. Really good. But yeah, for some reason, just wasn't totally gripped by the story. Uh, but I did still enjoy it. I think that's one I should probably rewatch because it might. It might appreciate it more during a second watch because that happens with movies all the time. We're all watching like meh, and then I watch it again and I end up really liking it more. So I will say though that God, I gotta stop saying that phrase. Uh, the cast was amazing because you have Dakota Fanning as Coraline, and it's weird because okay, I got it just for just so I know what's going on here because she just sounded so old. I don't know. I'm I guess I'm just used to seeing her as a tiny child. I forget that you know she grows up. Okay, so she was 15... Two, wait, when did this come out? 2009. Okay, but probably... It, it, it took 18 months to make, so it's probably done in like... She was like 13, 14 yeah. when she made this, but But remember, she, just, she sounds like she's like an adult, though. She just sounds so old. Yeah, the thing is, is I don't think... Because you usually see her as this tiny person, you don't really think about how deep her voice actually sounds when you listen to her talk. All right, we gotta watch War of the Worlds. Um, well, yes, when she was a child, <laughs> but then she would have been gone, gone through puberty at this voice. So her voice would have matured more. I don't know. And what... She has a deeper voice than people think. All right. Does. Whatever. It's Jesus. Not like a baritone or anything. Anyways. But... Anyways. She plays Coraline. Terry Hatcher plays Mel Jones, uh, other mother and Bell Dam. I don't know who Jennifer Saunders is. Uh, she is in a, vi she's in a very popular oh, she's in show. Oh, she's, oh, that's right. She's a, she's a fucking fairy godmother. That's right. I recognize the voice. That's right. And she's in a very famous uh, British like duo, um, the absolutely fabulous. I think it's a TV show. That's right. Okay, because we were watching it, and I looked at you and said, "That sounds like Fairy Godmother from Shrek," and you said, "Yes." So, okay, I didn't know her name, so that's Jennifer Saunders. You got Dawn French, who again, I don't know the name. Let me see what you win, girl. Uh, Dawn French. Oh, she's uh the fat lady in the painting from Harry Potter. <laughs> that's yep. awesome. All right, so I do know you. And then I think my favorite voice actor performance was fucking Keith David as the cat. I heard the voice and I'm like, that's uh, that's Keith David. So that was cool. Um, and then, of course, uh, Mr. Sergey Alexander Bobinski was Ian McShane. And I recognized that voice immediately, even though he was kind of doing a really deep thing with like a kind of an accent. Uh, yeah. Good times. Good. Good voice acting. And like, you know, I said the movie was good. It was a good time. Um I gave this 3.5 out of 5. It's got a, this is the, actually the highest rated one on Letterboxd. It's got a 4 out of 5. And it's got a 7.7 .7 on IMDb. So, is again, I think I need to rewatch because I'm a little bit below the, av you know, the average. So, I, I think it's a couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe rewatch that and see if I appreciate it more. And um, so, some interesting things about the film that I do know. Um, the sweater and the gloves that she wears were hand-knit with sewing needles. Oh, my God. Someone what? actually knit those for oh, her. Shit. And I think you had it somewhere on here where they talk about... Oh, yeah. 
So remember, the last film we talked about had 30 sets. This film had 130 sets built across 52 different stages and spanning 183,000 square feet. And if you looked at the photos, you can see why it takes up so much space. The sets are very large and they have a lot of armatures going on. And I think Coraline had, it said somewhere in there how many um, puppets they had made for her. Yeah, 24 different puppets made for Coraline, and they're all um, metal armature on the inside. And No, that was the next one that we watched. That was this one. No, that, they were the, in this one too? Yeah, that they make them the same way. That's how this uh, company makes their... Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's a wire armature on the inside, and that's part of why you don't see a lot of the stuff, because they also um, do a lot of 3D printing to make things. That's fair. Um, which is also how they're so smooth. But wild amount of energy went into the detail of this film and this film also nominated for an oscar lost to up it was nominated the same year as fantastic mr fox the princess and the frog and the secret of the kells which is also really that's cool fair movie. though because up is a goddamn precious movie i'm sorry i this movie Coraline's great but up is just it's precious okay okay let's be honest pixar movies yeah <laughs> it's, it's automatically <laughs> get excessive favoritism when it comes to awards yeah i know that's it's, just it's, how it is it's kind of hard to beat out pixar i mean it's like some know. sort of weird legacy thing yeah it's <laughs> uh let's see here i saw some cool shit that i wanted to say uh oh yeah the on-screen snow was made from super glue and baking soda thought that was pretty cool this is the first stop motion animated feature to be shot entirely in 3D. I I would have loved to have seen this in 3D. That would have been cool. I'm not a huge fan of the 3D, but uh, animated movies, definitely love seeing animated movies in 3D because it gives them that whole depth to the movie. So I, I that would have been cool to see. Damn. Uh, what was the other thing I just saw? Oh, there we go. At one point in the movie, Coraline shows 16 different expressions in a span of 35 seconds. That probably took a year to shoot. Good oh, God. there's the next trivia under is the thing I was saying. That's crazy that someone had the patience to knit a teeny tiny little vest or little uh sweater. Yeah. Oh, uh, sweaters. Oh, all of her sweaters were. Oh, God. And using knitting, knitting needles almost as thin as human hair. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> geez, like <laughs> yeah, well, because if you uh, and that's, that's crazy, that's something that's also really interesting where um a lot of the clothes like in Frankenweenie and um wear rabbit you'll you'll notice like some of the clothes are the same material as yeah. the people and in this one it is very clear that a lot of the like material is completely different like you could clearly see when something was knit fabric yeah oh yeah and not to say that the other films didn't do some of that too but like this one it was super apparent yeah, no, 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 yeah, and that's crazy, seriously, having having to knit that must have taken so long to knit little tiny sweaters, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, like, like that. Um, Mr. Bobinski's, like, when he's wearing the, the uniform, you can see that's velvet. Is it really? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, a couple more things here that I saw, I must have missed this, but uh, near the end of the film, Coraline's father is seen reenacting the famous face hugger scene from Alien using Coraline stuffed squid, must have missed that, that's hilarious. Shout out to uh, Alien, and... Uh, Oh, you see that trivia about Neil Gaiman? Yeah, that's what I was looking for. There it is. Oh, yeah, Neil Gaiman said that uh, out of all of his film and television adaptations of his books, that Coraline is his favorite. So, Oh, my God. Did you see how deep the well is in the film? She tries to uh, find this well in the film, and apparently based on someone did the math on how deep it is, 381 feet deep. Good God. 
Uh, well, YB did say it was a deep enough well that if you were standing at the bottom looking up, all you'd see were stars. Yeah, that was odd because I'm like, so how does that even make any whatever? Anyways, uh, and apparently the model of the father was based on Ted Raimi. Random as hell. I mean, if you look at him, totally <laughs> makes sense. That's so ra- that's so random though. I mean, yeah, I mean, just with like a longer face, I guess. Sorry, I always get Ted and Sam mixed up every fucking time. They're both big people in Hollywood. Anyways. uh, Share their last name. It's confusing. You know, both three letter names, too. It's not like it's Sam and Jonathan. Uh, Uh, What? I was going to see. I want to find that dog trivia. Okay. Well, uh, 1,300 square feet of fake fur was applied to stand in for live and or dead grass. I mean, seriously, all the, the there's work that goes into these movies is just incredible. It's seriously incredible. There's a scene when she goes, there it is. Uh, there's a scene where she goes to the theater and the other world to see the um, old ladies who are the other versions of them giving a show and all of their dogs are there. And there were all, the theater was packed with 450 individually made Scotty dogs. Um, like oh, each that's seat. right. That's right. That's right. There was that. Yeah, there was, how, you said 500 something? 450. Fucking ridiculous. Could you imagine? Okay, I've made one. Only 400 more to go. Oh, good God. Yeah, Leica Studios, who's, who did this and one, and the um, the last film we're going to talk about, we've seen four. Well, I've seen all of their films at this point. Yeah, but, I got to um, watch that other one. Box Trolls. Box Trolls. Um, Truck Bowls. They put serious dedication into their work and... They're really cool to follow on Facebook, I will say that, because they will put little videos of them doing stuff where they'll show you behind-the-scenes um, mm-hmm. things, and it, it's really fun to see that. Well, and they also put uh, a little something at the end of every single one of their movies. Like, so watch it till the end of the credits. Yeah, watch till the end, because it's cool. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of expected this number to be higher, because it cost $60 million, which was twice as much as Rabbit. And for good reason, I under, I can I totally understand why it costs so much, but it only grossed around the world 124. I mean, it's still a lot. It's still doubling your money, but you know, uh, Where Rabbit was what's like one? What did I say? One ninety-one or something like that? Yeah, that's crazy. I figured that would have done better. Well, I mean, that's, that's still it's still fantastic. And also <laughs> consider Wallace and Gromit already had a like cult following. That, I mean, that that's point. true. This because this was like a studio's first. No, wait. Was this the first? No. Let me see what year Corpse Bride came no. out. No, no. Corpse Bride came out before this. So they had worked on Corpse Bride in 2005. And then this year, 2009, was the because it was two years of pre-production and, two year, and 18 months making this film. So this was their first solo film. That's right. This was the, yeah, that's right. That's this was, okay. This was their first solo film. So yeah, I mean, you know, as, as a first movie, which is weird because they worked also on Bumblebee. A very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Well, they would have probably done any like stop motion scenes. Oh, that's right. There's a fucking stop motion scene where uh, Harold and Kumar get wicked baked and they they they're like, Oh my god, we're claymation. That's so funny. Holy shit. That's so funny. I totally forgot about that. Okay. Wow, they've done a lot of stuff with other movies. Holy cow. Well, yeah, they've probably done smaller works. I just need them to wow. come out with a new film so I can watch something. Well, I mean, Missing Link was 2019, so four more years. <laughs> We'll, we'll see you in 2024. Um, yes, but yeah, I mean, Coraline, it, we're, this was stream. Okay, no, this was streaming on Hulu, but only if you have the stars add on, which we do because of American Gods, which we still Because need to we finish. need Neil Gaiman in our life. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely recommend. It is a wild, trippy ride. Very, uh, very, very. Def- this one was also had horror in the uh, 
uh, description as well. It doesn't say here, but on my phone, I could scroll over and it said horror, which rightfully so, because there are some pretty horrific, you know, like horror. Like, like, at first oh my it's God. kind of odd, and then the further into the other yeah. world you get, you're like, oh God, this that's is, terrifying. This is wild, so... Well, I know you had even said when we watched Kubo and the Two Strings, we had gotten to a point where we were um, watching that, and you're like, this isn't horror. This is terrifying. <laughs> I was like, nope, this one isn't horror. This is just a fairy tale. Yeah, it was the two sisters. Good God. Just, gosh, please stop. Yeah, was, they were creepy. That fucking movie was insane, and I'm still blown away by Kubo and the Two Strings. And that's oh, my why I wanted God. you to see, and I knew if I got you to watch... Uh, their movies, I knew you would really like well, them because some, the, the the visuals on them is just so well. It's because we're always so busy and well, no, it's because sometimes you can explain a movie not that well, and I just hear it and I kind of just go, eh, no, I should probably just start looking up ratings though when you review movies or <laughs> when you recommend movies because that is obviously going to be well. If that's how that worked, you would have agreed to watch the Studio Ghibli films by now. I'm just not. I just don't. You could try I just one. Want to do it? Any who, Coraline, good stuff. Uh, yes, let's move on to the last and final one, which is not Monster House. You click that open. Is for this something is else. this a stop motion? No, this is digital animation, and it's kind Ooh. of aged poorly, but Ooh. the uh, but it's still a really fun slash depressing story. Oh yeah, that is kind of odd. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's definitely aged. Kinda, it's kind of wonky. It's about 10 seconds from being in the Uncanny Valley and nobody wants to be there. <laughs> or uh, the Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not Polar Express. They were smart enough to stylize the characters enough, but their movements are very Jarring. odd in the film. Okay. So, I mean, I own it. So if you ever want to watch it, we can. Yeah, we should. Because uh, that I think that was on the list until we realized that we were just going to do all stop motion. We so. swapped it out for Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Ah, that's right. Okay, so moving on to the fourth and final film of the episode. It is Paranorman from 2012. Rated PG, hour and 32 minutes. Action, comedy, adventure. This one is not listed as horror. And that doesn't make sense because there's like zombies and ghosts and shit. Uh, what? And they also have some pretty sweet references. I'm going to try and not talk too fast because I'm going to get very excited He's about very this. very excited. I was supposed to talk about this. And by the end, I was like, do you want to <laughs> talk about it? And you were like... Yes. Well, it's funny because we watched this one first because not because I didn't think I was going to like it. I just didn't expect to absolutely adore this movie. And so that's probably why I rated Frankenweenie and Coraline a little bit less just because we started with excellence. And then it just kind of the next one we watched just like, eh, well, okay. So that's why I want to rewatch. Not rewatching Frankenweenie. One time was enough. That's why I need to rewatch Coraline because we started so high. And just kind of went down. Anyways, so, Paranorman. Pull notes here. All right, so uh, we find out very early on in the film that Norman can see ghosts. Uh, because he's walking. And everyone thinks he's crazy, even his own family. Because um, in the very, very beginning of the movie, he's talking to his grandma, who is a, obviously a ghost. You can see. And, the Right? Well, they, they kind of, um, the way they do it is it's, you can kind of see something around her, but they make it so vague okay. I that can't remember it's exactly not until it he starts talking to his dad that you're like, oh, she did. That's right, because, yeah, his dad. So we have Norman and then his dad. Where's the dad? Right there. Uh, his dad's name is Perry, who's voiced by Jeff Garland. You can recognize that voice immediately. His mom is Sandra Babcock. Voiced by Leslie Mann. Again, another recognizable voice. So he's talking to his mom and dad, and they're like, are you still talking to Grandma? He says, yes. And they think he's crazy because Grandma died a long time ago. Well, because he says, because um, he 
was watching TV with his grandma, and then his dad asked him to take out the trash, and his grandma had said, hey, can you tell your dad to turn the AC down? So when he comes back in, he's like, um, grandma asked if we could turn the AC oh, down, yeah, and his yeah, dad's yeah. changing a light bulb, and then he immediately drops the light bulb. Like, <laughs> what? He's like, again, your grandmother is dead. He's like, I know that. But I can see her. So, yeah, we find out. You know, he he sees ghosts and can talk to ghosts, and everyone thinks he's crazy because of that. And on his way to school that day, you see him saying hi, hello to all these things, and nothing's there. So I looked at you saying, uh, can he see ghosts? And then it pans around, and then you see ghosts everywhere, and he's talking to them and waving. So, you know, he doesn't have any friends for obvious reasons because everyone thinks he's a fucking looney tune. Yeah, because you watch his neighbors watching him like, what are you doing? Well, yeah, what on earth? So, you know, that's... Great way to not get friends. And, uh, you know, he kind of gets picked on because of how weird everyone thinks he is. Uh, and he only has one funny fat friend. And he is fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. His well, name is Neil. Fucking hysterical. And they're not even friends at the beginning of the film. Oh, Neil that's right, just that's right. yeah, um, yeah. asks him if he really talks to ghosts. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. He's like, do you think you could talk to my dog? Oh, that's and right. And they, okay. they yeah, kind of yeah, bond yeah, after yeah, that because yeah. Neil believes him, and that's right. which was really nice because he's like, "I believe you, so could I? I can be friends with you." Like we can be friends, right? So Neil is absolutely the comic relief in this movie. He is a chunky little guy with a round face and just has some of the best lines. He's so funny. And uh, later, a little bit later, we find out that uh, Norman has a crazy. He's he's got a crazy uncle who lives in town. And uh, everyone avoids him like the plague because he cray cray. And uh, he's, he, he claims that he can see ghosts as well um, to Norman. But, you know, again, he kind of avoids them because crazy. Anyways, he dies and becomes a ghost on extremely early in the movie. <laughs> and then uh, he finds Norman at, uh, at school in the bathroom and tells Norman that he cannot move on until... He gives his duty, like he, until he passes his duty onto someone else. And his duty is reading this book to keep the witch at sleep so that way uh, the, the dead don't rise. And immediately, just like, ooh, that's a pretty sweet, uh, you know, catalyst for the movie to, to kick things into motion. Yeah, because they had already established, like, the kids are doing a school play about this witch, all the. A bunch of stuff in their town is themed like a witch. There's a witch st st uh, statue in the center of the town. Like everybody knows about this witch and the um, people who burned her for being a witch to save everyone. And so they're doing like they're even doing a school play about it. If she weighs the same as a duck, <laughs> she's made of wood and therefore a witch. <laughs> she floats. Oh, she's sorry. She, she sorry. Missed some of the quote. Uh, anyways. So that's a, that's a pretty cool, like I said, a catalyst kickoff for how the movie's going to play out. So now it's Norman's duty to A, find the book, B, and B, read it to keep the witch, you know, at bay. Um, and then we also find out shortly after that, because Norma's talking to his grandma, we find out that her duty is to watch over Norman. And that's why she hasn't passed on yet. So it's kind of sad because... You know, she wants she, to stay and look after. Well, him. she wants to stay and look after him, but you know, she'd also like to, like you know, and she doesn't know that either. She, the grandma doesn't even realize that she, because she said I should be, you know, with um, my husband, you know, taking care of dogs or something like that, or she should be with him. And Norman realizes, oh shit! So your duty is to watch over me. Oh, so that's kind of like sad, but also cool at the same time. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, then we see Norman. He's going to retrieve the book that was in his uncle's hands because he died. 
with the book in his hands, but he has to read it before sunset or else the witch will bring back the dead along with her. So he has to figure out where the hell to go. He has to go to a specific spot to read this to keep witch at bay. So he has to figure out how in the hell to do that. Um, and uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, he. I think he eventually goes to find the spot, but then, you know, the bully, who is also... A hilarious person, Christopher Mintz-Plast. He's McLovin from uh, Superbad. He is the bully, and he's super funny in this as well. Uh, he comes after Norman and fucks it all up for Norman because he starts to bully him and can't read the thing in time. So then all the zombies, I think it's seven zombies total, seven zombies rise, and they start going after them. So now we have zombies on the move, fucking up all over town. It's crazy. Um <clears throat> But then uh, Norman also realizes that he tried to read the book in the wrong spot. And uh, even if, you know, even if he did get to read it there, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but that's when the town starts getting attacked. Oh, and the <sighs> sister and... The... I'm oh, getting you're there. Getting I'm getting there. It's my next thing. So his sister goes to look for him because, you know, even though she doesn't really like him, she still wants to, you know, make sure he's safe or whatever, according to her. And uh, she goes over to Neil's house. This is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie because she goes over... And uh, she is voiced by yeah, Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. And then her love interest is voiced by uh, Casey, Affleck. Casey Affleck. And he's so funny in this. So she goes over to Neil's house looking for Neil. But, you know, you have um, Mitch that answers the door, Casey Affleck. And he's in a towel with no shirt. And she's like, oh, God. She gets all distracted by, you know, abs, abs and stuff like that. And then <laughs> Mitch is like. Neil, there's a girl at the door for you, and it's so funny because he doesn't walk out. He literally, like on, like on, he's like a fucking walking or moving sidewalk. He just kind of zips out from the side of the door frame. It's like a girl, and then I guess I can't remember what happened, but he got uninterested and kind of zoomed back in. I can't remember. Oh, they're talking about. Um, she asks if he knows where Norman is, and he kind of plays it off like he doesn't, but he does know. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So then they all kind of agree to go looking for him, and don't. Sp- Spoil anything with Mitch. What? Oh, that was such yeah, a great... no spoiling like, that because no, 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 that, that was, was so out of left field. It was amazing. Also, randomly... Not randomly. I have to say this. I don't know what was up with all the women in this oh, uh, movie. Sorry. It's just I'm some, sorry, everybody. And I'm sorry that I have to mention this. Every single like girl in this or woman, whatever, had just this huge butt. I didn't understand it at all because in the beginning of the movie, you when they were talking about the AC and grandma... It goes to a shot of Norman walking in, and then the mom's butt is just there, and it's just like, ba-boom. And you're like, why are you putting so much emphasis on these women's butt? Is there trivia for it? Are you looking up trivia? No. Oh. Uh... <laughs> it was just so weird because they're all really thin people, and then it's like, boom, hips and ass. And you're like, this is jarring to put in a kid's movie. I'm sorry. It's very odd. Anyways, so what was it? Courtney, who is played by Anna Kendrick, Norman's sister, and Mitch and Neil all team up to go look for um norman and they get to uh they, they end up running into norman because norman is too busy running away from you know the zombies that have risen so they accidentally what i'm listening oh, to you oh no i'm sorry sometimes it looks like you're gonna say something so i just want to make sure i let you say something and uh they run right into a zombie get norman in the car and then book it down the road and now the whole town at this point is erupting into chaos because Norman is trying to find the right spot to read the book. Ooh, excuse me. Zombies are running amok all over town. And uh, eventually at one point they make it to the church. Right? Was it a church or was it a library? It was the town hall. 
It was the town hall. Where be- the records are. Because they're looking for the records of where they buried that witch. And at this point, everyone kind of abandons Norman, which is kind of shitty. It's kind of rude. Well, he also tells them to just go because yeah, I know. The, he's the only one who has to do it, really. And no, if they're know, just going to bitch about it, just get out. I know. It's just kind of like, damn, you just left him there. So after everyone abandons him... Uh, Norman finds out what happens to the witch and what put all of this in motion, which is really fucking cool. And I don't want to spoil that really cool kind of kind of twist. There's actually a couple twists with what happened to the witch and who the who the zombies are. So that's a whole thing. I don't want to I don't want to spoil because it's very cool. Um, Norm. Like, oh, so then blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, yeah, we have to. So it's OK. I'm just going to leave it there because. Yeah, the, everything else is kind of a spoiler, it's because once he figures out what happens to the witch, he has to he figures out something else that is a spoiler that he has to. So I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, I, yeah, this is definitely my favorite one. It was so amazing. Uh, I feel like the uh, stop motion in this was probably the smoothest and best out of all of them. Yeah, because Coraline is also their first film, and yeah, this one was this was it. their next one. Yeah, this one was their next one. And it was just so. This one was definitely like the scariest out of all of them. I mean, um, you know, there, it wasn't like you know, like slasher scary, but there was some moments towards the end with with the witch and like lightning coming out of her eyes or whatever. It was pretty wacky. And the whole time, there's there's a bunch of horror vibes throughout the throughout the movie. Like in the very early stages of the movie, Norman's ringtone is the uh, the Halloween theme song, and I thought that was cool. And then there's a and then it's uh, it was Neil saying, "Hey, can you look out the window or whatever?" So he looks out the window, and Neil is down there, almost recreating a, like the 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 hanging sheet scene from Halloween. I can't remember. What, I think it's from the first one, but he's got a uh, he's got a Jason mask on, or he's got a hockey mask. And then he lifts it up. He's like, "Want to go play hockey?" Like, "Oh my god, I love this movie." Like, I'm kind of doing something right now. Okay, so like, do you want to play hockey later? <laughs> Neil was so funny, and so there was a lot of horror beats throughout the entire movie that kind of referenced. You know, like horror movies, like I said, like the Halloween ringtone, I thought that was really cool. Uh, there's another funny thing I liked when the cop, the cop was hilarious. And these, what did she said? The, the, these meddling kids or whatever. <laughs> she said that about four times. And uh, she was drinking a cup that said Mondo Sip on it. I thought that was funny because it's like big gulp because um, they obviously can't say that. And then uh, there's at one point when uh, Jeff Gar, or John, not Jeff Garland, but yeah, Jeff the Garland. father, yes. Yeah. Um, Perry. He says, where are the cops when you need them? And literally right after that, two seconds, the cop that was, I think she's on a Vespa. Yeah. The Vespa hits the car and just fucking tackles him, like just plows right into him. And I, I, if I was drinking something, I would have choked and died. I laughed so hard. Yeah, he really did enjoy that moment. It was so funny. But yeah, this one was definitely, I don't think, I think I laughed more during Wallace and Gromit, but just because it's so clever and smart. But this one was... It's because of all the puns. It's all the puns and just how, I, like I said, I love British humor. But this one was just seriously so genuinely funny. Neil was hilarious. There was so many funny moments. Great voice ca- you know, voice acting cast. And uh, just a very fucking... Uh, it's perfect. Like I gave it five stars because I had no issue with it at all. And I loved it so much, and it's now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just, I did not expect to like it that much. And it had some really good, like, story, like, themes in it, like um, not lashing out in fear and accepting someone um, because you may not understand something about them, but you do, that doesn't mean you have to hate them. And um, I really love that the whole thing with him making friends with Neil and how... Um, Neil was like, oh, you can see dead people? That's really cool. 
and he just accepted it. He did. He didn't make it weird. He wasn't like, you know, making fun of him. He just accepted that that's who he was, and he just wanted to be re- uh, friends regardless. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty great. Um, so this one was that came out the same year as Frank and Weenie, so it also got an Oscar nomination, but lost out to Brave, um, along with the Pirates and Wreck It Ralph. So. Um, yeah, I don't. It's really hard to beat out a. Yeah, it, like I'm yeah. actually. I've been looking through this to see if um, any of the Pixar movies have lost out. And the only thing I can see so far is Incredibles two lost out to Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Oh, well, and there's I mean, like, yeah, sorry. Incredibles two was great, but it no, wasn't as good as no, Into the Spider Verse. No, that Spider Verse is another one of my. I think that's another one I gave five stars because it was just fucking. Ins- it was in- it was insane. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, where was that thing I was gonna say? Oh, cars <laughs> lost out to Happy Feet. That seems like a mistake. Wait, the first Cars? Yeah. That's definitely a mistake. The first Cars was freaking amazing. Happy Feet, Cars, and Monster House. Oh wow! Interesting. Yeah, so from what I can see from this list, only two Pixar films have not um, won an Oscar in years they've been nominated since 2001. Wow. This is weird. Norman and Mitch never talk to each other in the movie? Huh. Yeah, they have literally got no reason to communicate to each other. No, I know. They were in the car together, though. So that whole car scene was hilarious with the hand and the zombie just going wild. Oh, my goodness. Let's see here. This is Jeff Garland's fourth animated film. He did Wally, Toy Story 3, and Cars 2. Huh. Nice. Wait, is this not PG? Is this PG 13? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, it, no, it's no, PG. It is PG. What the fuck was that trivia then? What the hell? It said something about not being rated, as well as Garland's first animated film not to be. Oh, from oh from Disney Pixar, and his first film to be rated PG. Oh, God. Yeah, like, I think you read that slightly got different. It. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, there's not. There's not much, honestly. There's a speculation that Norman's mom is pregnant in the film. Huh. Scroll down. Where? Right there at the bottom. The it's possible right that Norman's mother is pregnant. This could be speculated because of the scene early on in the film where it focuses in on Norman between his father and mother's stomach area, and hers seems to mimic the father's, and then it's rounded, which is an odd choice for them unless she were they were making a statement about it. Huh. Okay. Weird. Maybe she's preggers. Uh, Go back to that. Uh, what? Sorry, I wanted to see the trivia. You're scrolling around like a crazy person. I'm scrolling around like you would normally. What is it? Where? Um, I would. Well, I guess you can't read that because we're not spoiling the end of it. So. Okay. It's really cool trivia. Oh, okay. Christopher Mintz. Pl- oh, yeah, that's right. He was in. Uh, McLovin was in How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, he was. That's right. Yeah, he is hysterical in this. It's funny to see him play the jerk after he is, you know, what's up, gangsters? That shit was funny. Yeah, this movie was, to me, it was it was perfect. It has a 3.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, 3.5 out of 5. It has a 7.0 out of 10 on IMDb. I gave it a 5, and that says a lot because out of the... 1,068 films that I have on Letterboxd that I've logged, I've only given 24 five stars. So I'm just saying. I don't give five stars out like, you know, I do three and a half stars. Yeah, I said I think the only thing I had a problem with this in the in the entire film was I felt like um, Norman's relationship with his dad 
was not really resolved after yeah, he yeah. pretty much proved to his dad that he could, in fact, talk to dead people. Right. Um, and his dad was always so really aggressive with him about it and really just mean about it. And I, I really had wished that there had been some sort of resolution on that part. But of course, you know, you can't have everything. Yeah, you can't. You know, Definitely you can't. doesn't diminish the film for me. It was just <laughs> something the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, OK, so he's going to be a jerk and we're not going to address that. <laughs> cool. That's fine. How do you find out who did the, uh, oh, there we go, music, music. No, that's soundtrack. How do I figure out who scored it? Look at it? the cast and crew. Cast and crew. Oh, that's right, and I have to go to, uh, where is it? I know, I thought it was, oh, no, music John Bryan, huh? Because Danny Elfman did, uh, the Coraline. Who did, who, who's Frank the one that did Hans Zimmer? Oh, Hans, Hans Zimmer, Zimmer did, did Wallace Frank, and Gromit. Yeah. yeah, okay. The fuck is John Bryan? Who you... Who are you? Well, he did Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. The other guys, Step Brothers. Huh. What are your Amazon ads? What? Where? Your Amazon ads. What is that? Freedom. It is something for a lady after she's had a baby. So are are you pregnant? I might be. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, he really hasn't done much, but I love the score. It was it was great in this. Everything about this movie was perfect. I don't there's I didn't like there's not one thing I didn't like and if I have no problems with a movie five stars unless it sucked. You know, I yeah. can I can still have yeah, whatever. Um so yeah, Paranorman is on Netflix. I will be watching that probably every day next week just saying. Uh it is fucking awesome. And you know, it's only an hour and 32 minutes, so that's my sweet spot for movies. So good times, love it. Uh, very excited to see the f what happens with the future of Leica. I uh, need to see Box Trolls, and then I will have seen all of them, and I will be following them until they decide to stop making movies, which I hope is, you know, never. Because it's really, really good stuff. It's only going to get better, you know what I mean? Like, it's like Kubo and the Two Strings uh, from this, because the Kubo was, no, it was Box Trolls, and I think then it was Kubo. Wait, yep. no. That's no, right. That's not right, because Missing Link was 2019. Hold on, hold on. Uh... It was Paranorman, then the it you. was, it was Paranorman, sorry, it's Paranorman, and then it was Kubo and the Two Strings. Where'd Box Trolls go? Hold yeah, on. where did Hello? Box Trolls? Bo sorry, Box Trolls, then Kubo and the Two Strings. So, yeah, okay. So, Box Trolls was next. Okay, so Box Trolls. You're going to see some wild stuff they did in that. Even still, this, so this was their, uh, uh, goodness, fucking Kubo and the Two Strings was their fourth, and that one was just freaking magical so i'm you know missing link was good uh i know we saw that one too it wasn't anything i didn't like it like a lot it was still good though but Ku i don't know for some reason kubo just stands out as having the best because it's cool. such an original story that and the too, whole yeah. tie with um the importance of memory and cherishing family was just like really wow. nice it's like watching coco where you're like mm, please family, put me on the ofrenda i want to live forever put me on the ofrenda all right, so yeah, there you have it, our kids horror episode. Hope that was enjoyable, something a little different to kind of probably do another one at some point because there yeah. are so many children's horror movies. Oh yeah, like with the House of the Clock and its walls and the Goosebumps movies. Goosebumps, yeah, Goosebumps has Jack Black in it. I think the first one does. So let's play some trivia. Okay, I won last time. Yeah, I know, fucking jerk. Let me get that Yellow. right there. Oh, also, I wanted to say. Because uh, uh, my dad was awesome. My dad runs a podcast called CY6. Check your six podcast. It's a small business podcast, and uh, he got me a sweet uh, button. <laughs> so, apparently, Zool. Oh, there's, oh, a, there's dog a dog barking, barking outside. outside. Zool, hush. Shh. 
We're doing an episode. Shut your face, parts. Come here. Come Can here. that dog outside not be so rude? It's okay. No, oh, she's like, fine. oh, this out. Anyways, uh, my dad got me one uh, like awesome button-up shirt that's embroidered with his logo on it. So shout out to my dad. Thanks, dad, for this awesome shirt. Uh, and we're going to get some for Frightmares as well. Uh, so yeah, rep, repping my dad, repping all the podcasts today, repping Check Your Six. You can find him on Apple Music, uh, or Apple Podcasts, sorry, and uh, repping Frightmares Hat today. Just all about podcasts. So, let me see here. Yellow. Little lady. This one only has three out of five done. Weird. Uh, oh no, we did that one. I gotta mark that one down more. Yellow, yellow. Ooh, that one's not been taken. Ooh. Ooh, the Star of Maniac, 1980. Joe Spinell also did which of the following on the film? Direct, co-write, co-produce, or compose the music? Co-produce. He co-wrote. Damn it. Suck it. Well, I had a one in four chance. Okay, there we go. All right. <gasps> yeah, you had a 25% chance there, lady. Okay. Uh, that's been taken... Don't make it too hard. Uh, uh, uh. I can, dude, cover the back. Why can you read that far? I have eyes. Don't look at it. I didn't look at it. I just looked down and saw you weren't covering them. What actor played Thomas, the adult companion of Abby in Let Me In 2010? Oh, I always get that one confused with Let the Right One In. Which one's the American one? I think Let Me In is the American and Let the Right One In is the yes. whatever other one. Who played the who? The companion, Thomas. Hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, Jeff Garland. <laughs> I just, uh, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I just said that because we were just Richard talking. Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How could I forget Good Jenkins? Good old Rich Jinx. How could... <laughs> Rich Jinx. Jesus Christ. I uh, said Richie Jinx. God. Richie Jinx. Yellow again. Good God. Uh, that one has been taken, so we've got to go with... What 1964 Japanese film is based off the Shin Buddhist parable? Ah, yes. How could you forget that? You're not going to get this. Hey, can you push your pop filter closer? Somehow it got popped back. Godzilla. Onibaba. Ah, damn it. That ah. was my second guess. Probably. Oh, we're losing a lot. Well, go. I did it. That's been taken. Son what is bitch. the name of the sinister club which kidnaps victims in host in the Hostel series? Oh, uh, I should know this. Yeah, well, you were certainly going to know the other one, so the, it wasn't giving the, that to the, you. The Friars Club. Elite Hunting Club. God damn it. I knew club was in there somewhere. Damn well, it. Well, I did say what club. I know. That's why I said I knew club was in there somewhere. God. Oh, I would have known that one. Yeah, no shit. Everybody would have known that one. Well, I mean, if purple, if you, ha I don't know if purple. Okay, uh, purple. Okay, that one has been taken, and I'm not reading you one about the fly. So, uh, you're gonna know that one too. Uh. Fine. The remake of the fly in 1986 was a remake of the movie with the same name, released in what year? You won't know that one about the fly. I'm sorry. I just saw 1954. 58. Oh! Damn it. Yeah. The next one is super easy. And I hope I get all of these next time. He so. said, this is going to be such a trash show. And after this doing trivia, just like, oh, 
Here's an easy question. Oh, here's also we're an gonna easy just question. have to play to five or ten when because every single last question is so fucking. We just easy. play through the deck. Right, um, <laughs> done in ten minutes. What did you get? Green. Oh, okay. That hasn't been picked. Ooh, in boy. the host, the titular. I know. I always I hate that creature word. nabs which park family member? Uh, Hyunso, Namju, or Nam Il? Namju. Hyunso. Fucking shit! That was my next guess. I love that movie. I've only seen it one time, though. That's why. I know. Sometimes when it, and I'm sure this happens to everybody, but when it's not a movie from your country, it takes you a minute. It, hell, it, it doesn't matter which movie. If it's a movie I've seen once, I don't know anybody's names. That's fair. But especially if they're not names I traditionally see. Yeah, if they're not, if they're not like an American name, that's going to be even harder for me, unfortunately, just because it's completely different names. Like, you give me a few watches, I'll get there. Like at least it was uh at least it was multiple choice. If it was if it was one that wasn't multiple choice, fucking good luck. That's pick that's... a Korean name. <laughs> All right, is it me? Do I do I read? I rolled blue. A blue. Uh, so far one. we're losing. Oh uh, yeah, it's zero to zero. So we gotta uh you know fucking. Uh, I don't know. Let me see. Okay, fine, 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 fine. What medical procedure does La Femme Femme La Femme try to perform using scissors in Inside two thousand seven? An abortion. Good God. Just guessing. A C-section. God. Close enough. No, it's not. A C-section is having the baby. An abortion is killing the baby. God. You're trying to get the baby out. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's about to get super easy. Thank God, because we're doing a get... horrible job. Can it's... you roll? I, I, I fucking all right. God. Oh, shit. Two more questions, and it's it's night-night forever. Let the right one in, 2008. <laughs> Was based on the novel of the uh, same name by what author? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> fuck. Oh, God. Wait, so let the I can't even say this dude's so name. So let the I... right one in was American. The, the English. I don't know. Just what's the name of the author? For Hans Zimmer. John Adjivid Let me see. 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 Best of luck. Um, John... Ajvide Lindqvist. Oh, I did that's it. about half a difference of what I said. I did it. I did it. I did it. Oh, get out of your... Stop it. Okay. You stop Sorry, it. Sorry. I'm all hands. You're, you're, it's so far away that you gotta... You gotta no, no. The uh, the pop filter. D- no, d- oh, my God. I'm fixing it. It's fine. Oh, blue has not been picked. Okay. Does protagonist Sherry Carson survive in The Wizard of Gore? Yes or no? Take your pick. Live or die. Say yes. Okay, that's one. Hey, I did it. <laughs> like, I, All I, right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's only taken it's almost... It's going to be a shit show after this. It's only taken 69 episodes to get through the deck four times. So we've only got one more run through of these. So according to my calculation... it's time calcul- to switch to the next one. Yeah. According to which I got from uh, Oscar Garza... We did a scare package exchange with a bunch of pe- a bunch of our friends for Halloween, and uh, he got me a horror trivia. So we'll go through that next. And I also got one from another friend, too. So we've got plenty of horror. All right, so it's going to get insanely easy, and we're probably going to have to go to five, maybe. I don't know. All right, so it's literally just going to be pick it up and go with it. it we'll just make sure, that, make sure that four of them have been marked off. Got some good use out of this. This was like 20 bucks. No need to roll anymore. This is great. I love it. 
Oh, here In we the go. Mummy, 1932, what actor played the titular character? Boris Karloff. There you go. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Throw that in the trash. <laughs> no, I'm not going to throw it in the trash. You don't need to put it. Yeah, you really don't need to mark it. We know which one was I'm the last one. I'm marking it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, oh, interesting. The Birds, 1968, lacked what conventional film element? Huh. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even realize this. Opening credits? A musical score. Oh, man. Damn, I got that I wrong. didn't even realize. All right, go. You up. That's right. There was a shit ton of silence in that film. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, what famous co-director was an assistant editor on Evil Dead? What? What? What famous director was a co- or was a an assistant on Evil Dead? Sam Raimi. Joe Cohen. One of the Cohen brothers. Oh. Okay. I don't <laughs> we don't need to roll anymore. I want to roll. All right. What's that, one to one? Yeah, one to one. Uh, yeah, let's just go to three. In The Exorcist, the demon Pazuzu does not possess what character? Chris McNeil, Reagan McNeil, or Father Damien Karras? Chris McNeil. Doom. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. That's two. Two, two, one. Two, 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 one. Oh, this one we've already done all, all five? What? Hello? No, oh, that was the one that you... Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What Korean filmmaker directed Stoker? Uh, was that Boon Jong-ho? Nope. Park Chan-wook. Oh, I'm getting that confused with Snowpiercer. Sorry. That's my bad. And also Bram Stoker's Dracula. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so... What is the surname of the Texas Ranger called in to investigate the attacks in the town that dreaded sundown? I have not a fucking clue. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. <laughs> no, it's, it's Morales. Jesus. Scorsese. Fuck. In uh. Hatchet. Oh, what yeah. Is, what is the name of the deformed killer? Victor Crowley. Mr. Crowley. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. All right, two to two. Stop shouting. I'm like, so, it, that hurts my ears. I'm so excited. Yeah, simmer down. Simmer down now. This <clears throat> is insane. I hate this so much. I hate this. Abby is revealed to be what type of supernatural being and let me. <laughs> <laughs> A vampire. Uh, okay, what's that one, though? In what decade does it 2017 take place? 1980s. Yeah. Okay. So who wins? That was me. I won. I got three first. But 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 it's like it's like no, it's, it's not how that works. But it's like it's like beer pong. It's like it's redemption. It's redemption. Absolutely not. Oh when come it's on! Who gets to the most points. Oh first. come on! That was redemption. No, we have stuff to do. Can we do next point wins? No, because oh. I already won. But it was redemption. I. Already won. Stop trying to take but my win from me. Redemption. Already won. No. I'm so excited to just like blow through this deck. It's going to be great. It's going to be funny because it's really like either you absolutely know it or it's a random movie you don't remember or it's haven't not, seen. It's not going to be a thinker. It's just going to be nope or yep. I'm very excited. Oh, my God. Hey, that Coke is for me, lady. It says share the magic with a doctor. Doctor. Proctor. Okay. Yeah, let me see the medical license. It's I'm between specialists right now, or between uh, what? <laughs> God damn it! All right, 
to the victor go the spoils, whatever. I win. Yay. Oh, Buy God. me cookie. I eat cookie. I'm not giving you cookie. No. Anyways. Huh. Shut your face, lady. Don't give me that look. I need to turn this computer off. D please. I don't like when you do this. <laughs> Seriously, I'm trying to end the show and you're being annoying. Well, See? you're not ending the show. You're putting your stuff away. All right. Anyways, hope you enjoyed the... Uh, I would definitely have to do this again. I enjoyed watching all these movies. They were a lot of fun. Somehow they were all... You know, We did an entire kids horror claymation stop motion episode. It's so not claymation. It's stop motion. I'm calling Those it... Those are two separate things. Calling it claymation. Whatever. It's two separate things. Whatever. It's claymation. Anyways, we will be back. Well, not we. Me and Corey will be back next week doing something fun for the 70th episode of Frightmares. Follow us on Facebook at Frightmares. Follow us on Instagram at Frightmares Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Frightmares underscore pod and Slasher app, which is Frightmares Podcast. And if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, you can type in either Dr. Proctor or, oh God, or throw things on the floor. Um, I'm there. That won't get you there. Follow me. You can see what we've been watching that week and kind of get an idea what's going to be on the next episode. And uh, yeah, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Stay spooky. <laughs>